got a text from my dad on Wednesday. And, uh, you know, you never know what you're going to get from your dad. I don't know. Do you text your dad? I I live near my parents, so I actually see him. And I, like, work for him. So, yeah, okay. ne- nepotism got me my job. So I have a lot of contact with my dad. Yeah, we've been really bad the last couple episodes uh, on this point. Uh, just like, I want my parents to give me their, their inheritance now. Like, my dad got me my job. <laughs> but anyway, uh, my dad, usually it's just conservative boomer memes uh, or just random thoughts about politics or AOC or whatever. Uh, but uh, on Wednesday, a text arrived. Not, it just says, bought a truck today. He and bought? What? Yeah, we had never spoken why does about... He need, why does he need a truck? Well, so take a look at the photos I sent you. It's this orange piece of shit. Uh, I don't know what year it is. Oh, a 1990 Chevy Cheyenne. 161 original miles, right? Clean title, long bed. Uh, and uh, it's just a complete piece of shit. He. This is terrible. Yeah, it's absolute garbage. Horrible car. You know, I mean, I think he drives. You know, like a mini SUV. You know, like a Ford. Ex- you know, like a Ford Escape or something like that. But he says, "I dressed really shabby, and me and Grandpa drove up in his beat up Corolla. We looked broke as hell." Wait. Okay. I we need to like put a link to these photos in the show notes because <laughs> this shit is like. This is horrible. Yeah, describe it. Describe it. It's, it's like, okay, it's like this horrendous orange color. And it's not even, like, the paint job is also, like, it's not even. It's, like, rusting, scratched off in, a, in like, yeah, a lot of it places. Used to, it used to belong to the county. It was, like, a orange, like, for the water and power district or something like that. Was the joke that it's Orange County, so it's an orange truck? I think so, actually, yes. Oh my god! Yeah, okay, and it's the, this disgusting orange color. By it's horrible. So by far my favorite part is the seat. There's I don't know if this is the front seat or the back seat or what, but there's like a huge piece missing out of the foam out of one of the seats, and you can see the metal springs and frame underneath it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a it's a complete piece of shit. And it the thing is, it runs. It just needs to be. Uh, you know, the, the it runs very well apparently. But aesthetically, it needs to be completely rebuilt, right? It needs a new paint job. He, he's torn out, you know, the seats. So anyway, I said, wait, did you buy that? And he says, yes, I bought it as a hobby. <laughs> Retirement, <laughs> then, man. Retirement yeah. makes people so bored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Uh, whatever. <laughs> and, and then yesterday I get a text and it's a photo of his his thumb wrapped in orange tape and it oh, says no. cut thumb working on truck <laughs> and big fans of the show will remember that my 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 father is uh very handy but he is prone to injuring himself <laughs> and i said i mean like i just have memories of like oh no dad's changing the oil and it's like fuck <laughs> and like on a saturday morning coming from the garage it's like not in a malicious way or it's just like oh yeah he, he decided to save some money so he's putting in uh, some new part or whatever and he spends four hours and he's screaming and cursing every 10 minutes and it's like that's your hobby what the fuck <laughs> but you know i guess he saved some money buying it and uh, anyway yesterday my mom facetimes me um, which I haven't been doing lately since my nephew was born. And so I thought I was going to see my nephew. But instead, she's like, you want to see the truck? <laughs> okay. Uh, and we go. And my dad is in... Wait, 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 wait. What does she think about the truck? I think she's she's happy it's getting him out of the house. <laughs> right. 
I mean, it's getting him ten feet away from the house. But, <laughs> but, but at least, at least outside of the house, where she can have some peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, we've done an episode on hobbies before, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess there are worse hobbies than fixing up a two thousand dollar truck, but um, you know, and he goes to Home Depot to buy shit, but he really doesn't. He doesn't need a truck, really. I mean, I guess I think he just likes driving around in it. But the funniest shit was so my mom takes me outside on Facetime, and then I see my dad, and he's working on the truck. It's parked in our front yard, and we live in a you know we don't live in Bel Air, but we live in a fairly nice suburban neighborhood. And I'm like, oh my god, you idiots! You're the redneck family. <laughs> you have this piece of shit car. Like you, you're, you know, your your twenty thousand dollar cars are parked inside. Good on you, but parked in your front yard is this piece of shit fixer upper car. You're, it's a that's the other side of town where people do that. You know, where where people are on Medicaid. It's, it's, it's like, like started, it's like on blocks in their driveway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I started making fun. I started making fun of them, and my mom's like, "Well, you know, his tools are in the garage, and he wants to." I was like, "Park it in the backyard where no one can see it. We have a really big backyard." She's like, "Yeah, but his tools are in the garage, and we want it to be close so he doesn't have to go back and forth." I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about? Move it's, the tools! Yeah, exactly. You have a yeah. shed in the backyard. Yeah, exactly, in there. Yeah, as I told her, park it next to the shed. No one, you know, people could see it, but not every person who drives by. <laughs> and so, uh, and, and then, and I was just making fun of them for being the rednecks in the neighborhood. And we've always been the rednecks in the neighborhood, you know." When the drought happened, they just let their yard. Didn't your dad do that too? Let his yard die, and he's like, "Hey, it's a drought. I'm, I'm just trying to. I'm doing the good. It's for the good of the community." <laughs> no, he he let it die, and then he was like, "I love not watering it," and he just never watered it again. Yeah, yeah it's still what, dead. Yeah, my parents did that, and then now they added the the two thousand dollar truck. So I made <laughs> fun of them, and then when I woke up this morning, I was looking at my text, and I get a photo, and they have this big kind of. Uh, like tent thing I don't know where it's, it's those metal poles it's, it used to be where our patio is now we used to use it you know what I'm saying it's like a tarp and some metal poles it's basically just a, a big tent yeah right? yeah I but, know the thing yeah yeah I mean there, our listeners probably have no fucking clue but who cares <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, it's like a they, it's like a sort of permanent tent yeah yeah except there are no sides it's just a tent with the top so you can right. like go under there for shade and uh, they moved the car into the bar- into the back, and they parked it under the tent. <laughs> <laughs> That's much better. Yeah, yeah, That's, well, it's good that it's good they listen to you. Like, okay, so I think I've I've sent you pictures, but we have there's a house like I live in an apartment complex, but it's right next yeah. to the suburban neighborhood, and there's a house right near us that is that house. And not only is there <laughs> one shitty car, there's like four shitty. No, <laughs> how big is like the yard? Five, no, no, no. They're, well, they, they are on the street too. So it's like oh, they have okay. they have two like horrible looking cars in their driveway. This like awful looking Baja bug with like a tarp that's falling apart on it. Like the tarp oh, doesn't even yes, yeah, cover yeah, exactly, the car. Exactly. And then two identical looking like really crappy looking Pontiacs. I think. <laughs> oh, Pontiac like, man! Has, has a Pontiac ever been a nice car? <laughs> dude. Yeah. No. So every time I walk by, I'm like, oh, like. These are the neighbors that everybody hates because every other place like is like pretty nice and like whatever people have boats and like RVs in their yard but like it, everyone is like oh that house yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know it's like you don't even own in the neighborhood and you're man these guys are driving down fucking home prices with this shit <laughs> yeah. maybe that's actually yeah, probably it good maybe it drives down your rent since you're not an owner you don't care about. Uh, the value you actually want the neighborhood to be shittier in an aesthetic way, <laughs> in a way that doesn't really affect your life but drives down prices. 
<laughs> but anyway, uh, so that's uh, that's my dad's hobby. This is Market Liberation Front. Burton Bohr and Henry Hazlitt. This week, is real estate investing really passive? No! No? No. Uh, yeah, I I think we've talked about this a few times, but we haven't really dedicated a full episode. And I thought it would be interesting to highlight my experiences having been a landlord, uh, having been uh, at the top of the capitalism game, you know, uh, renting out to plebes, my little condo. But also, uh, bourgeois asshole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a, that should be the uh, the new. Sh- uh, <laughs> never mind. Uh, we said we wouldn't be self-referential. <laughs> we said that should be the new show tagline. <laughs> bourgeois asshole. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Mark Liberation Front. Bourgeois asshole. <laughs> uh, it's like the way you said it. But no, uh, I thought it would be interesting to talk about because people. You know, earlier this summer, I was thinking about getting a rental apartment in Hungary. You can get in a nice neighborhood in the center of uh, Budapest, you can get a perfectly fine one-bedroom apartment for about a hundred grand dollars, right? And uh, turn it into an Airbnb and turn around a nice little profit. Uh, if there's not a pandemic, of course, <laughs> you can do yeah. you can do pretty well. And uh, and uh, you know, and you, you can even make it fairly passive because. You'll have. Uh, I should do a whole episode. I should bring the, the guys on uh, that I that I was planning this with because that was a fascinating conversation. But anyway, but after a couple months of doing research, I was like, "Fuck, I've done a lot of research and I don't have a house yet." You know, this is not passive work. So I put all of my money into Fundrise. Uh, all of my nice. real estate. All of my real yeah, estate money. Well, we did that episode about all the different types of passive income, and my whole point at the time was that passive income, like real estate. Being a landlord is not passive because there's a lot of effort that goes into a, a like finding a property like you were doing, and once you find one, finding people to live in it that are at least reasonably easy to take care of. I mean, if they're difficult, then it's a, even more work. But even in any case, like it's still there's ongoing effort. Like it's it's not there are people whose their full time job is property manager because it's not passive income. Right, right. I, I knew uh, I knew a couple of property managers in New York. And, uh, you know, it's a decent job if you're, you know, not a very educated person, right? You know, you kind of take care of things and it's like a respectable, good work, but it's, it's a job, right? You know, that's the point. Uh, it's, uh, you know, you're, you're cleaning shit out of toilets, you know, you're kicking people out, you're beating your tenants when they're not paying you. Uh, you're, <laughs> you're, uh, you know, if it's like a rent controlled apartment, you're, you're like splashing water inside the wall so it grows mold so they move out. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're Donald Trump and his father, you're screening black applicants out. You know, taking <laughs> out anyone with kind of a black sounding name from their application, just getting rid of them. Uh, no, it's, it's a real <laughs> it's a real effort. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but anyway, so the and the the hardest thing. Okay, so you've bought the place. Fine, whatever. You have it right. That's a shitload of work it, to do it well. And my story will annoy everyone because I had the most passive possible real estate situation and I made a decent amount of money when it was all said and done. Uh, but anyway. Um, but, so you've okay. already done this. Is that yeah, what you're yeah, saying? I'll, you've you've yeah, already I'll, been the bourgeois landlord? Yeah, I'll, I'll take you through the whole process. It's a fun story. But first I want to do this financial samurai story uh, because it to me it's very funny. It's just a granular dissection of one step in the process, Right. 
just one thing, and that's finding a tenant. You know, you still have to pay taxes, go through all, go through the process of buying the place, saving up the money, researching the market, you know, collecting, maintaining the place. But this is theoretically the easiest thing, right? It's just finding a good tenant. It's much easier than finding a good place. It's much easier than waking up at 2 a.m. to clean shit uh, out of the toilet because they clogged it and they, they, they're idiots and they need you to fix it because they don't use a plunger. You know, uh, this is the easiest part of the process. And listen to these fucking psychopaths that just have to deal with. <laughs> okay, so the story begins where he has he lives in the Bay Area, which is one of the most, if not the most, expensive real estate markets in America and right. maybe I think the world. I think it's the worst in America, for sure. Right. So he owns this this house, and he, because he's so financially successful, is moving into a new house, and he's going to rent out the old one. But he, for whatever reason, decides to rent out only half of it. That's not really that important. So his first attempt is that he spent five weeks trying to provide subsidized housing to two preschool teachers, and it didn't succeed. <laughs> what? How does that even work? So he was just... Wait, was the government helping him out, or was he just trying to do a nice thing? No, I think that, um, I think, like, there's some government program. Okay. That was my assumption. I didn't, I mean, there's a whole nother story about that. So he spent, oh my god, this is really long. I was hoping I could just open it and tell you, like... Oh, uh, fuck it. Okay, I don't care. I don't care about that. I want to talk about finding the tenants. Right, okay. So uh, whatever. he spent so he tried five to... weeks trying to find these preschool teachers, and one of them ended up quitting their job and moving out of the city. So that's how that went. Oh, excellent. And then, so then he he lists it. It's, it's 1,370 square feet. He ends up uh, getting a lot of interest at $4,100 a month, which to me sounds honestly like a pretty un, like unsurprising price point. So they find this couple. It's... It's a couple. They have a seven-month-old baby. They're moving out of a one-bedroom apartment, and their combined income is three hundred thousand dollars a year. So, okay, so they're poor in San Francisco, basically. Right. Basically, he links to this article that's like, "Why do you need to make three hundred thousand dollars a year to live a middle-class lifestyle?" Dude, I love these that. people are the poster children for that. <laughs> I love it when uh, WSJ and or Wall Street Journal and Financial Times they always run these articles. It's like a typical American. Right, and it's like, but Bill and Bill and Melinda make four hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, yeah, typical. And the relatively, the relatively frugal Jonathan makes a hundred twenty thousand, and he's single, and he works as a developer in New York. You know, it's like, and all of. I mean, I, I understand why people are socialists. Whenever those articles make the rounds. Oh on, on Twitter. And it's like, that's just, that's who reads those those newspapers, right? For the average person who's reading the, the journal or the Financial Times, it's like, yeah, it makes sense. Okay, it's fine. And then, and then it filters out into the, the world beyond their few million subscribers and people get pissed. Oh my God. Yeah, well, you know, like you make $120,000 a year, you live in the right place, you're basically poor. I mean, you're just <laughs> like a single so. bachelor, you know, like, oh yeah, I'm on my way up. Yeah. All right, so okay. mom makes a buck thirty doing marketing, which marketing, by the way, is not a real job. No, you know, at, at you know, uh, miss me with that marketing bullshit because that's not a real job. <laughs> I don't know what it is. You know, I, I should say this because my brother-in-law does marketing and he seems to work very hard and takes care of my sister, or whatever. But I don't think I think it's fake. I think if all the marketing people went away, nothing would happen. Uh, <laughs> but don't. I hope that doesn't happen because I want my nephew to grow up in a stable house. Uh, and then the dentist. Uh, which is 
real job, I guess. They're all thugs and criminals. So the dentist's father is making buck seventy. So three hundred together. All right. All right. So you're a, your typical middle class family. It's, you know, they have a baby. They're living the life. Sounds totally normal, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and then he he gets a little he gets a little spidey sense that maybe something's not quite right because they they are currently living in a one bedroom, six hundred square foot apartment. And they have this income. So he's like, wait a minute. Why, A, like, why do they already live in a tiny-ass apartment? And then even with this, the rent on this place, they're still spending a pretty small percent of their income on housing. So, you know what, that's a little suspicious, but whatever. He's he's going to start down the process. So right. what he does is, obviously, he invites them over to look at it. Um, the wife shows up on time, but the husband's late. And he, like, doesn't even know anything about the place. He doesn't know what price it is. He's complaining that the price is too high. So, I mean, clearly what happened is the wife found found it and was like, honey, like, we're going to go look at this place. And he's like, oh, well, yeah, whatever. And then they just show up and he's like, what is this? What, how much is it? Oh, that's too expensive. You know, like, she if, just didn't tell him anything. Yeah, or I wonder if it's a good cop, bad cop thing. <laughs> that feels like I feel like that's something that would happen in San Francisco. There's probably real estate, or there's probably rental coaches, you know, not brokers. <laughs> but that seems like some San Francisco bullshit, where it's like you you hire someone to coach you how to negotiate uh, your rent because the the stakes are so high that that creates that little mini economy <laughs> around you. Like, you don't want a broker because that's too much. But there, there's some Silicon Valley effic- efficiency. Is that <laughs> so? They're like, okay, so you're gonna come in and be really excited, and then the husband's gonna show up late and be like, "Fuck this," you know. And then you'll go back and forth, and you'll build a rapport, <laughs> but your husband will drive home, you know, so you guys get what you want. I wonder if that's what's happening here. But you're right; it's probably he's just busy, you know, making children feel pain all day, and you know, it's just late. <laughs> it's just it's lying, very, you know, very possible. Just lying to people about the amount of work they need done because they have no fucking clue. Okay, so they continue to push his boundaries. They ask to see this other space that he decided not to rent out, and he's like, I already told them that. Like, why did they want to... Why is she so bold that they want to see the space? Is that the and voice then, you read Financial Samurai in? Well, I thought that he was being a little whiny when he was complaining about this. Like, oh, okay, whatever. But anyway, it was a red flag to him. Yeah. Uh, they also didn't listen to him when he told them that they would have to share the washer and dryer... And they, like, whined about how he said that he would use it two to three times a week because, I don't know, like, they, <laughs> they, he's going to, like, use this space also. And he said that in the listing they're going to have to share it. So, basically, they didn't read the listing and asked him a bunch of questions about it that showed they didn't read it. And he was, he was frustrated by that. Got it. But he still and, goes with them. Right. No one's so, perfect. he swallows his, he swallows his pride, right? He decides okay whatever like it was hard enough to i spent five weeks wasting time on those preschool teachers i gotta move forward with this i'm, I'm losing money so they draw up the lease it's forty one hundred dollars a month and then here's here's the kicker i love this part he says everything is going well until he who's the the husband says that this place was at the top of their price range he said for the price they were looking at whole houses he said that they had come from iowa where things are so much cheaper <laughs> well, well yeah i mean if you come from iowa and you're looking to pay forty one hundred dollars a month you should get like a four bedroom house or something right right or or like a fucking mansion like this is the bay area man like if you want iowa style living like you should move back to iowa <laughs> yeah but who wants to do that 
Right, well, hmm, interesting. All right, so, whatever. Uh, they they want to lower the price, and so they haggle over it, and he decides that the what he's going to do is he's going to lower the price and make them pay 100% of utilities or something like that. <laughs> yeah. The title of this part is Negotiating the Rent and Losing. <laughs> <laughs> so the rental coach is working. Uh, so... 50 minutes into the second visit, he told he tells this husband he's rolling the dice with his offer since he has another interested party. And the guy says, I'm willing to roll the dice. Okay. That's what the rental coach told him to do. Yeah. Like cowboy. <laughs> what an asshole. I know, right. So whatever. They settle on this deal. And then finally, they're ready to sign the lease. And he comes over. He sends him an email one last time and says, okay, I'm willing to spend... Or pay 100% of the utility bill if you don't have a hidden sauna down there. And he said, every joke has an underlying meaning. And this joke reminded me that despite making $300,000 a year, my place was uncomfortably at the top of their price range. I didn't respond to his funny. Oh, wait, I thought that was the last thing. There's another thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so final terms of the lease. He sends it over. They want to push the move-in date back by nine days because it's the only time that both of the, both the husband and wife can get the day off. And so he's pissed because it'll mean he, it, he loses out on a bunch of money on rent and he's had enough. Da, 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 da. So, <laughs> okay, now he gets into insults. If they were this demanding, this annoying, and this emotionally unintelligent, what would happen once they moved in? <laughs> i mean that's honestly that's the thing is yeah, i'll get into this later but when i was the yeah I'll, I'll talk about it later but i had some interesting experiences interviewing people uh and no tenant is going to be perfect but these people just sound like fucking monsters oh my god they sound horrible like yeah i mean people i think my theory is that people are always telling you who they are you just have to listen right like exactly. these people were telling him from the beginning that they were going to be difficult and awful and he decided to finally listen. So he said, I feared they would nitpick everything to death and ask me to do things they could do themselves. For example, change a light bulb. Right, right. And so they're fighting about the, the how much the bill is going to be spent or whatever. Yeah. And then, so they get him down, right? What do they get him down to? Well, they get him down to 3800 a month, but... Effectively, right? But because zero he... utilities. Okay. So that's like, that's way more. All right, that's okay. Anyway, so they, so after they've already agreed, then they, they lower to thirty eight hundred, right? But effectively, that's like thirty seven hundred because utilities, or more even. Yeah. Yeah. So he rejected them. Yeah. He he basically said like, look, you're a last minute to go. Like all these things added up for him, and it's really it's a good lesson for this guy because like. People who are difficult, like they start out difficult and they're gonna stay difficult. And if they right. if they try to like haggle with you at the last minute or they like all this other shit. So he has all these like insults because he's really bitter about how he wasted all this time with these people. Yeah. The husband is like the guy who would complain that his meal wasn't cooked to perfection, even though someone else was paying. The wife is like someone who wanted to fly first class but was only willing to pay for economy. Despite their more than enough income of three hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> I told them I didn't think my place was the right fit for them. 
they lost their property simply because they got on my nerves. Like, okay. <laughs> like damn, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's difficult, though, because you can't be too picky because, let's say, okay, for example, okay, now, he was right to reject them because they were fucking awful, right? But let's say they were negotiating to take off $100, right? After a year, okay, that's $1,200. But let's say he rejects them because of that and everything else was fine. Well, shit, your place might be em- empty for another month, and that's minus 4000 Right. Right? You know, and that's kind of a calculation that you have to make as a as a landlord and the dynamics vary from city to city. Right. But that's a very serious calculation. And if you want to rent the place out forever, let's say you have a, a four bedroom home and you're looking to rent it out to a family. There are people who rent their home for 20 years. That's the best possible tenant, right? Just a family who lives there forever. I knew a guy who did that before he bought his house. He rented for 15 years or something. He had five kids. They grew up in that house. Uh, but but if that's not the case, and especially San Francisco, these things last a year, you know, just take your L instead of missing another month. But these people fucking suck. I mean, these insults, yeah. these insults are absolute garbage. I mean, this guy is a total dweeb, an absolute dweeb. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I'm sympathetic. Yeah, I, I would have done this too. Just because you gotta, you know, you want to like work, you want to like the people you do business with, right? You don't want to like be angry every time you have to interact with people who you have a you have a relationship with. So I think it's the right thing to do. Like my, I like sell. Sometimes I sell random stuff online just that I'm like trying to get rid of. Mm-hmm. And I, if people act like this towards me, like they send shitty offers and they ask a lot of questions and, you know, it's like, you know, whatever. I can't, I don't want to do business with this person. Even if right. like maybe they right. would buy it, like just, it's not fucking worth it. They're just going to return it anyway, right? They're going to receive this thing and be like, oh, like this isn't as new as I thought it was and just send it back. 100%. 100%. So yeah, passive income, guys. Seems easy, right? So fun. Become a landlord. Become a bourgeois uh, oppressor of the proletariat. Okay, so here, here's my story. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, wait, what did you call it? Bourgeois, bourgeoisie asshole. Yeah, bourgeois asshole. Yeah, bourgeois asshole. I don't know. You speak French, not me. But anyway, uh, je ne sais rien. <laughs> Uh, so here's my, so, uh, you're listening to the podcast. Uh, so here's my story. I was renting in, I started renting in January, 2014. And I decided, and I was renting a studio in Washington, DC. And, um, I, I liked it quite a bit. And I asked the, my landlord, I said, Hey dude, um, can I, I want to move in with a, a roommate. I was 21 at the time. I had pretty low standards and I was like, oh, whatever, I'll just put up a sectional. My roommate can move in with me, a, a buddy of mine at the time. And he'll just live with me and then my rent will go from 1000 to 500 And the landlord said, look, dude, uh, I'm sorry, I just, I'm not really comfortable with that. Like, you shouldn't technically even be renting it because it's an HOA. I don't want a second person in there. And I said, okay, that's fine. And he said, uh, in fact, so if you're going, and I said, okay, that's fine, I'm going to leave. And he responds, Great. Uh, I'm actually planning to sell the place now. So let me know when, you know, and I said, well, how much? <laughs> and uh, he made an offer and I, I bet, you know, I, my, I responded with something uh, not much lower, like 5% lower. And he took it, which made me realize I probably should have offered, you know, like 20% lower because I, yeah. I had him by the balls. Because in D.C., if you want to sell a place that someone is renting, it's really hard. 
right? So I kind of had a lot of leverage on him. But so that was my first mistake. But I still got a decent price for it. And uh, and I lived there for two months and then I left the country. <laughs> when I bought it, I had, I had planned to live there for a while. But I was like, oh, fuck, I got a job. It was my first job abroad. So I took it. And the guy and the guy who I wanted to move in with me, he did move in with me after I bought the place. So he was paying half of my mortgage every month, right? And it was great. But then I left. Uh-huh. And then... Um, and it was cool because it had an HOA. So if anything went wrong in the unit, there was a, it was a big co-op, not an HOA. It was a co-op. So you had to pay a co-op fee, but that included utilities, everything except internet. And there would be a guy who would come and fix things whenever anything went wrong. And for example, the the trash disposal or the garbage disposal went bad and they put in a new one for free. Now they increased the co-op fees because they were rebuilding the the area or whatever. They're rebuilding the complex, so that kind of sucked. But for the first couple of years before they increased them, it was a great deal. So there was it was very passive from that perspective as an owner because all the maintenance was done, you know, uh, by them essentially. I would just have to clean up myself, or whatever. And then so when I left the country, the guy who was renting it, I said, "Look, man, I will rent it to you at cost because you're my friend and I trust you, and I I, I don't want to like go through the process of putting some random guy in." And also because it's illegal to have uh, the co-op doesn't let you rent out the place for more than one year or something like that. Hmm. So I rented, okay. I rented it to him for 15 months and then he got kind of tired of it. And then um, I moved back to America and he had left and the place was empty for a month. So I, had, I lost like a thousand bucks, whatever. And then I had a party when I was back in America interviewing for the job that I took in America. I had a party and a friend of mine, I was like, yeah, man, this place is empty. And he says, how much? And I, and I basically, and I also knew this guy and I said, I'll give it to you a cost. You know, you just have to kind of keep up when the HOA fee goes up or when the co-op fee goes up. So I rented to that guy for about two and a half years. <laughs> so, and he was, uh, and, and that was awesome because again, I pretty much didn't have to do anything. You know, anytime something went wrong, I was just, just put in a work order with the building. You know, I just had to set up my direct deposit. He always paid. And whenever I would visit DC, I could crash there was the deal because I was giving it to him at cost. So I could have, oh, I could nice. have charged a little more, but he was very low key and I trusted the guy and he took care of the place. Right. And he didn't get you caught with the co-op. Yeah, exactly. And he didn't get caught with the co-op. And then, um, and it was fine. And I split internet with my, with the person next door and, uh, and everything was great. You know, it was fucking golden. So, so what do you think was the what would you think was the the, the difference between uh, your relatively smooth and profitable landlord situation and Mr. Financial Samurai here? Well, the thing is, it, I if all right. So let me let me the the third tenant is this the difference. Um, so okay. that guy they they raised the co op fee and I said sorry man I got to increase your rent a hundred bucks and he said okay I'm leaving. Right, and I was like you're getting a great deal. And he later texted me, he's like, this is what I get for spurning the generosity of, of Henry Hazlitt. You know, cause he had like, he, he, it worked out for him. I think he's very happy where he rents now. But for, for a minute there, he got fucked because he moved into another place that was cheaper, but then the roommate left and he was paying as much as he would have if he, had, you know, whatever. But anyway, so after that, I said, okay, time to treat this like a business. I'm not just going to keep renting out to my friends. So I raised the rent from like a thousand a month to 1500 a month. Right, nice. where I'm actually making a profit, and Get that the, money. the market rate. And I put a I put an ad on Craigslist. I had like six people come check it out, um, and then I just picked the person who was nicest and most chill, and who had the least requests of me. You know, and it was very great. You know, I did I 
I was like, oh, let me see a credit report and let me get some uh, references. I didn't even look at that shit. I don't know. So, <laughs> and I was just like, I was like, what are the things that people always hassle me about in the past? Or <laughs> just to scare them, basically. And and she turned out to be a great tenant. You know, there was a couple things that she's like, oh, can you buy a new mattress or whatever? I was like, it's fine because the place came furnished, whatever. So I bought a new mattress. That was the only thing she really wanted. And then uh, I used to, I would split the internet with the with the woman next door and then she sold her place and moved so i had to set up the internet and buy a router and buy all that shit and that was just a fucking nightmare and then one day she's like yeah for some reason the new people came and i I reached out to them but it's this it's still the same password and wi-fi network so i'm just using it and i was like if it's okay with you can you just keep doing that (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) she's like yeah sure i don't care whatever so she kept using the wi-fi it was fine and, and that is so shady dude yeah and she was great and then I told her I was like hey I'm selling the place do you want to buy it and then I like and she's like maybe and I like gave her this absurdly I gave her like 30k more than I ended up selling it for and she's like yeah I don't want to pay that I said okay fine <laughs> I put it on the market had a little small bidding war going on and um, after I did the math I'm not going to go into the exact details of how much I paid and whatever you know I had sold my car when I moved to DC so I had enough for a down payment and things like that I worked during college and whatever uh but it was a very cheap place but i tracked it and uh i think i got a return of something like six percent or seven no 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 the return i think when you included the rent and everything i put in i think it was like an eight percent return per year once everything once i was done with the fees and everything was said and done so it's like the stock market still beat it but i did everything (laughs) wrong I really didn't put a lot of effort at all whatsoever into the place. <laughs> and I got like an eight and I, and I beat, I think the historic real estate return is like 4% a year or something. And I doubled it. And was, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, real estate can work, I guess. I mean, I had no it, fucking It sounds idea. like you got lucky. Like you, yeah, I got like, extremely you did all lucky. this like kind of, kind of like slapdash, like half-ass like yeah, effort, yeah. like, oh, I'll get my friends in here, like, oh, this person seems fine, oh, like, don't pay for the internet, and it just kind of worked out, Yeah, yeah. and after all that, you ended up with the same return, okay, it has been a, I'm sure the time that you owned it was, like, part of, like, the huge climb from 2008 up to, like, now. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, but, buddy, it would have been an even bigger climb if I had waited an extra year, because it was, uh, I sold it right before Amazon announced the DC headquarters. Oh no! <laughs> so, and I was thinking about that. I knew it was going to happen too, but I just because of my personal circumstances, I just had to sell the place. And also, the co-op was closing in on me. They're like, "Why have why have five different people gotten mail here in the past six years? <laughs> like, it seems like you've turned this into a rental property." <laughs> and they'd send me emails like you know, like hide on your tail. Yeah, they'd send me all these like emails, and I would just ignore them and shit. <laughs> Yeah, you had to sell it. You couldn't. You couldn't stick around to, for them to bust you. Yeah. That would have been way worse. I remember telling the. I remember telling the tenant, "I'm like, look, if anyone asks, you're my girlfriend, and you live with me, and I'm on a business trip." <laughs> and, and, and she's like, "Yeah, that's cool. Whatever." She was super. She was a great tenant. I was a really good person. Yeah, that sounds. I really sounds like you struck like yeah. struck gold with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, I mean, and you know, I, I remember there was this one uh, tenant who showed up, and she's like, "I really don't like this," and she she just spent the whole time telling me about things she didn't like. And I just found her incredibly unpleasant. And afterwards, she's like, I'm very interested and I would like the place. Let me know if we can make this work. And I didn't even, mm-hmm. I didn't even fucking respond. I was just, I, just, I found her so off-putting. <laughs> Which is probably rude because I guess she was, maybe it fucked her up. But I don't know. She was just very awful. And this one, this one was great. So anyway, uh, yeah, that's my, I will say, 
looking back now, and I'm glad I did this because I do plan to buy my own home at some point, and I may actually get a realist, you know, an investment property, uh, because I sort of enjoy not the cleaning the shit. I'll hire a property manager, but I would, to me, it would be fun to study the market and look for it and buy a deal and maybe fix a place up, you know. And so instead of my dad um, being in the in the front yard cleaning his orange monstrosity, uh, <laughs> you know, he can maybe come over and like help me fix the bathroom in the new place or whatever. But I'm glad. So I'm glad I did it because even if, and even if I just buy my own place to live in, I learned so much about the process. Just little things, you know, things to look for and what to do. Because I think if I had known, if I'd known what I know now when I went into it, that 8% return probably would have been like 12%. You know what I mean? Because you would have charged more for rent. Yeah, I would have charged more for rent. I would have paid less. I would have sold it for more. Those are the, the big three things, you know. I would have been a well, better negotiator to start. So when you get into your, like, Hungarian uh, Soviet apartment block ownership, you can you can apply the lessons that you learned in D.C. Yeah, basically, exactly. <laughs> So okay, I think we should uh, we should conclude by by reading the conclusion that uh, financial samurai guy came up with, oh, good idea. which yes. is the one that I have come up with with zero experience. So he says, uh, well, basically he says like if you're a tenant, you want to have a good landlord. If you're a landlord, you want to have a good tenant. Obviously, you don't want to resent each other. Uh, he found some people who seem fine to live in this place. We'll see how it goes. And then he says, the older and wealthier you get, the less you'll want to be a landlord. You may eventually want to hire a property manager, but remember, it can be a pain to manage a property manager as well. I find investing in REITs and real estate syndications to be much more enjoyable. Ding, ding, ding. Sure, I give up control, but I also save a lot of time and hassle. Yeah, although he's also he gets paid by Fundrise. It's like he does paid oh. content, so okay. You know, so you, that's a little he's, easy. He's very shady, you know. Uh, you know Mr. Money that's Mustache. Shady. Mr. Money Mustache was like he had an SEO optimized post about my divorce, which Ooh. hilarious, you know, <laughs> wow. which is hilarious because I mean, yeah, all posts are SEO optimized. It just happened to be, but it does makes it sound really bad and mean, you know. <laughs> What whatever, as if Mr. Money Mustache doesn't SEO optimize his posts about how like people are like fucking planet haters for driving trucks. Right, 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 I will say I think one thing that I do I've grown to agree with him on is more people should ride bikes. Is this just because you've been living in European cities and riding bikes everywhere? Yeah, I wish American cities were more bike friendly. And I should say, I live. You know, when I lived in Rome, that's not a bike-friendly city. That's a fucking scary place to ride a bike. You, know, you ride your bike there for the adrenaline, <laughs> dude. I I don't know. I biking kind of terrifies me because you know you think about stuff that people do that people think of as dangerous, but then like how often do you hear of someone actually getting hurt? Biking is something that like I often hear of people getting like maimed and killed riding yeah. bicycles. Well, so it kind of terrifies me. I, I told you my story about how when I lived in New York, I was researching riding my bike from Queens into Midtown Manhattan. How I would do it? <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. This is such a good story. And the main the main street you would do it on is called uh, Queens Boulevard, right? That's where I don't know. It would be for sixty percent of the ride. You know, just get out, get through my neighborhood, go through Queens Boulevard, cross the bridge. I'm in Manhattan, whatever. And, uh, and I googled Queens Boulevard bike lane or Queens Boulevard bicycling and the first response was a blog called Boulevard of Death and it cataloged all of the bicycle deaths on Queens Boulevard. 
<laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so, no. Yeah, I, okay, I worked, uh, in my previous job, there were these two guys who were these really, like, crunchy granola guys, and they would ride their bikes to, um, our workplace. I worked at a high school, so they would ride from where they lived in, I don't know, some suburb, and it wasn't that far to the high school, and, like, every fucking day, they would be like, so, like, did you almost get run over by that bus again today? <laughs> They'd be like, oh, yeah, that's the worst. Yeah, man, like, it's fuck fucking... that. Like, I don't want to do that. Man, riding around in, in Rome, I just remember there were so many. There, I would say I rode my bike there for three and a half months. I don't know, five times a week average for three and a half months, let's say. Uh, for 40 minutes a day, four or five times a week. You know, sometimes longer, sometimes less, whatever. But about that much. I would say in that time, there were three incidents where if I was one to two seconds slower, I would have been hospitalized. Where, like, I'm going down a hill doing 30, 35 miles an hour, super fucking fast. You know, just pedaling, going extremely fast, keeping up with traffic, essentially. And some guy opens his car door, and I swerve, and I, uh. and I miss it by a foot. You know? Oh, my God. Shit like, that shit is so scary. Yeah, the adrenaline you get from that, brother. Ooh. <laughs> that is, uh, it's a, woo, yeah! You feel fucking... Have you seen that episode of The Sopranos where Tony's depressed and he's contemplating suicide and those guys try to kill him? And he, and he, yeah. you know, he just says, I feel so fucking alive, Miss <laughs> Melfi. <Dr>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he, like, yeah, well, he, like, shoots all of them and he's like, fuck yeah! yeah he's, like, he's like, I want it to live. <laughs> <laughs> to live. I don't know how he sounds. This is Super Mario or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's... <laughs> okay. Do you? Okay. I don't know if you've read this. I think this is an article in Wired about how. Do you know Strava, that bicycle like tracking app? No. So it's an app for like you. It has GPS and it records your bicycle rides, and you can use it for running. Like I use it for running, just to like track your workouts over time. And they have mm-hmm. this feature where you can specify certain pieces of road and saying, like, this is a segment. And then it keeps track of leaderboards of who's the fastest person who's completed that segment, like on a bike or running, oh, nice. whatever. Okay. And so these are public. And you can see, like, how you compare to other people who've run the same or bike the same segment. And all this, like, when this came out, especially in the Bay Area, all these horrible bicycle accidents started happening because people started doing super reckless shit to become the king of the hill of these segments on Strava. So it's like, there's one that's just like a fucking super steep downhill, like a long way. And the fast, like the way to be fastest is to just be completely careless and just fucking rip around blind turns on this twisty mountain road. So like one guy, one guy got killed by like a minivan because he like took a turn too wide and a minivan was coming up the hill and he just fucking ran into it. And then another one was doing this on a busier street and, like, smashed into an old guy crossing the street. And the old guy got killed. And he did. <laughs> and, yeah, so, like, fucking cycling is dangerous. And uh, competing over who can go the fastest downhill makes it even more dangerous. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a formula for success. <laughs> I don't know how we got to Fortunately, this point, but... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how we got here from housing, but... It uh, is a good... There you go. It is a good... I mean, cycling is a good financial decision 
unless you end up dead or in the hospital. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's, it, it makes you live longer. I bet, though, someone who cycles a lot... Risk le- versus reward yeah, yeah. on cycling. Yeah, it's, a, it's a great long-term reward. You know, you're healthier, probably less likely to have heart disease or whatever, but you also might get fucking killed when you're 30. <laughs> so I don't know how you weigh that. Uh, MarketLiberationFront at gmail.com. Let us know how you feel. Rate the show. Thanks for listening. Yeah, and let us know if you have any ideas for show topics. Or if you want to come on and you have something actually interesting to talk about. Right, exactly. Sure, whatever. I Actually, yeah, we, I would like to have more listeners on the show. You know, whether it's a, a call-in thing or something, that would be fun. That would be really fun. Yeah. So let us know. Yeah, let us know what, what you want us to talk about. Bye.